Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You'll be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center's YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Oh, you may be seated. Wow, wow. Thank you so much. Hey, we just want to welcome our campuses and just, you know, 74 years and 50 years and 22 years. I know, I know for some of us that just seems like numbers, but can I, can I help you kind of put a little bit of, uh, really a little bit of culture into that, what it actually means for a church to, for a church to still be going after 74 years. Here's the thought. 80% of the churches in America right now, 80% of the churches are either in a stagnant position or they're declining. Heartland is in the top 20% of churches, is that we're growing and we're expanding and our vision, come on, that's something, listen, that's something to be happy about. So 74 years as a church, still to be a vibrant, alive church. Next year, we'll have 75 years. We're going to do some special things for next year. But then think about that number 50, 50 years in ministry. I, I, I don't, you know, when, uh, when I started in ministry, talking about ambition, go ahead and throw my slide here in a second. When I, when I, when I started talking about ambition, you know, when I was a kid, I had a, I had a desire to be a cowboy. 11, 12 years old, all I could dream about was being a cowboy. Finally saved enough money, I saved $35 to buy me a pony. His name was Tony. Tony the Pony, okay? 11 or 12 years old, I'd come home from school, I'd jump, I didn't have a saddle, had a bridle, had to ride by, bareback. I'd ride to the little farm where I worked. Come weekend, I would get up Saturday morning, pack me a little lunch, and I would ride the range on Tony the Pony. Now, the range for me was a bunch of TVA land that was blocked off, lived right across the road from a, out in the country where we lived. And I would just stay out in the woods all day. Now, that was before parents can't stand the, with, with your kids being out of sight. My parents would let me leave. They didn't care if I come home. No, they cared, but they, they wasn't worried about that. And, and then uh, to be able to, to have that. And then for 40 years, I wore a cowboy hat every t- everywhere I went. I had a cowboy hat. Two things I used to tell people. Don't mess with my hat. Don't mess with my woman. That was my, that was my phrase. You know, leave my wife alone. Leave my hat alone. And I got out of that. But then about a year ago when I built the big-ass acres down there, that the, the, uh, the hat stage is coming back. But now I'll tell you this to say this. 50 years of ministry, 90% of ministers that get in the ministry, 90% don't ever survive. 90% will either quit the ministry because of moral failure or financial uh, struggles or they have health issues because there is a little bit of stress doing what we do, okay, a little bit. And, and they get out only 10% of the ministry. Now, just to give you an idea, this is what I looked like 50 years ago when I started. This was me, the, in case you can't figure me out, I'm the red suit guy, okay? It's my dad in the middle, my, my elder brother right there beside dad. That was me 50 years ago when I left home 
put everything I had, started traveling on a tent preacher revival, and, uh, and then the rest is history. But 50 years to know only 10% of pastors will live and survive as long as I do. Again, that's another achievement, isn't it? Come on, that's something. Uh, I'm proud of that. And I want to I stay faithful. And then that last number, 22. 22 years that we've been leading this church. Now, here's another statistic. The average pastor stays at a church still today in 2021 or 20, yeah, 2021 when they did the survey. The average pastor stays at a church five to six years, and then they move. Every five or six years, the average church will change pastors. Now, this church has had the same leader for 22 years. Now, come on. That's, listen. Again, that, that is just something that, that you and I can be so proud of. And last month, we, we spent some time just having the conversation around the word ambition. And I've always been a very ambitious person. I, I appreciate the value of, of being able to be a dreamer. Now, some of my dreams have been wild and crazy, but, you know, the cowboy thing, I don't know about that. But, but listen, I've, I've always been ambitious when it comes to the kingdom of God. When Rhonda and I got married 48 years ago, my ambition was, again, I just want, I just want to be a servant. I want to serve. I want to have an impact. I, I want to do something that has eternal value to it. I didn't understand, Ernie, what all that would look like and how it would unfold and what I would do. But I look back now 50 years and I think, God, Lord, thank you for that ambition. Thank you for the desires that you put in my heart. But then I started thinking about this month and I started thinking about what is the word that, that we need to hang out on. And it's the word appreciate. Everybody say appreciate. Appreciate. I give, I give you a working definition in your, in your worship guide there. It's on the screen. Appreciation is having admiration for others and communicating your respect or approval to them. Appreciation is having admiration for others, but communicating. Underline that word, communicating. How many understands that so many times, Ms. Rhonda said it, so many times, we let people come and go in our lives, and we don't show the appreciation that we really should in our, their lives. We, we don't let them see the value that they have towards us and for us. There was a study done by Towers and Watson, and they said the single highest driver of encouragement, the single highest motivator of encouragement in a person's life is feeling genuinely appreciated. Oh, come on. Duh, right? Come on. You, does it encourage you if somebody comes up and says, wow, you are such a blessing to me. You, you, you know, I love you so much. I am a little disappointed there's no cards in these boxes yet, but I'm sure that'll change before. No, I'm just kidding. But, but doesn't, it, doesn't, it just, doesn't it do something for you when somebody comes in your life and they communicate to you how much you, that you, you mean to them what, what the value that you've had in their lives. You know, uh, this, this week, I got a card uh, sent to the church. There's a $2,500 check. wasn't to me, but it was to Sunshine Center. Let me give you a little side note. Wednesday night, we had our second 
uh, our second uh, legacy banquet for our Sunshine Center. Most of you know, this is the $15 million project that we're engaged in. Architect work is happening. Permit side is starting to move. We're in the process of raising $15 million. Wednesday night, in a matter of about an hour and a half, with about 60 people in the room, we raised $320,000 either now or the next five. Come on, somebody. Somebody ought to get excited about that. I'm telling you, folks, God is up to something. And this week, we got, we got, a, we got a card in the mail. Uh, the secretary just showed it to me this morning. Secretary meaning Miss Rhonda. She said, Pastor, said, I, said, I, know, I know you got a lot of things, but said, please, just take a couple of minutes. This card come from a young guy that I, or a guy that I met when he was a teenager. I went to a little small town in western Kentucky, and I preached the revival. And I'm a singing evangelist, you know, I'm playing the piano and I'm singing. And I show up on a Sunday night and he said, you know, uh, uh, Brother Phil said, I play the guitar. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, I'd give anything if I could just play. I said, man, bring your guitar this week. He said, I'm not sure. Will I mess you up? I said, listen, you won't mess me up. I may tell you to stop. I may tell you you can't do it, but you won't mess me up. But every night, every night he shows up. Every night, Kevin, young guy named Kevin, shows up, and he plays. And several years ago, we reconnected, and he reached out, reached out to me. He said, you know, Pastor Phil, I know you probably forgot about me, but I'm Kevin Williams. I now travel with Bill Gaither. I'm their main musician. I'm their front man out front. He said, my life got changed because you took time out a little country church in Western Kentucky and said, play your guitar. And I, 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 I just kept playing and learning my skill. Now he's a master. He's been on so many records and so many things. Isn't that amazing what God does in people's lives? So listen, we cannot overemphasize the value of appreciation. So all this month, we celebrate 74 and 50 and 22, but all this month, I want, to, I want to dial in for, for you and to me to help us. What does it look like? I love what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says this, brothers and sisters, we ask, we ask you to show your appreciation. Show it. Communicate it. Show your appreciation for those leaders who work among you. Instruct you. We ask that you love them and think very highly of them because of the work that they're doing. Here's somebody who said, do you recognize it? Do you see it? You see the impact? Communicate it. Show it. Live in peace with each other. We encourage you, brothers and sisters, instruct those who are not living right. How many understand we need some instruction? Instruct those that are not living. Cheer up those who are discouraged. Help the weak. Yeah? And then be patient with everyone. What a challenge. He said, I want you to show it. I want you to communicate it. I want you to have the conversation, mom, dad, to your kids, husband, wife, to each other, siblings to each other, friends to each other. I want you to acknowledge those that you have in your life. Now listen, here's what we know. A person that has selfish ambition or a person that is full of pride will often think, I am what I am because I'm such a great person. I am what I am because I did such a great job. Come on. You ever met somebody who thinks 
you know, they have the, they have the opera syndrome. Me, 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 me. Hello. I am what I am because of me. Listen, a selfish person will never stop and recognize that so many times our success, our achievements, our accomplishments could never happen unless God helped us, unless other people helped us. I love this little picture of this turtle sitting on a post. You ever see that, that picture? Usually, underneath the caption of that, it says this. If you ever see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know it didn't get to her by itself. Come on. Come on. You know somebody had to come along and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you get above wherever you've ever been. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you rise to a place that you've never been in your life. I know in my life in 50 years, I've had people that come along my life and lift me up. I know I've had people that come along my life and say, you know what? I see some gift in this. I see some abilities. I see some talents that are in there. And I want to do the very best that I can. Uh, you, you saw some of the photos and uh, you, know, you saw some of the, the titles that they put on there, the first church we ever pastored. That little old lady that said she knew Rhonda, me and Sunshine, and she she was my first clerk and treasure. She loved her pastor. She loved her pastor. I pastored a little old country church, and uh, it barely paid enough money to keep our lights on. When I went there, it was struggling, and we went there, and we just started loving people and encouraging people and evangelizing people, and our church is growing. And uh, you know, she would she would take the ties in. And back in those days, we was a part of an association that so much of the tithes had to be sent off, and the church got to keep some, and out of that, you got to pay the pastor. Well, Sister Wilma would always look at checks very closely, and if that check did not say tithe, if it was blank at the bottom, you know how checks back had the little note, if it was blank, you know what she would say, this belongs to my pastor. <laughs> I said, now, Wilma... I know this person. I mean, they just started coming. I'm sure that, that $100 is probably a tithe. No, no, no. Don't say tithe on it. It says, I think, it says pastor. And uh, my offering that she would give me every uh, week was always bigger than the tithe was, you know. So I know, I know she really, and, and I looked at Wilma's life. Her husband played a guitar for me at, there at that church. And I look at that, and I think, wow, what, what value you know, how does how she lifted us up and she made us feel? Listen, study after study shows that when you have people in your life and you're communicating uh, appreciation, you're showing them, you're demonstrating that, you lift that person up, you encourage that person. It can bring that person out of, out of depression. It can bring that person out of, out of even bad thinking. It can lift them to the point that they begin to see that life is worth living again. And listen, I want to tell you, our world today is in such a need of positive people in our lives. Come on, am I preaching yet? We, we, we are in such a need today. Here's what I've discovered. People may forget what you said. It really bothers me when I preach such a great message. And then by Wednesday, you've already forgot what I've said, okay? It bothers me, but I'm getting over it, you know? But listen, people may forget what you said. They even might forget what you did. But watch this. They never forget how you made them feel. True? Study after study shows. You may not remember what is said. You may not even remember what I did that day. But let me tell you, you'll always remember 
how I made you feel. And listen, so many times we find ourselves uh, not understanding the impact that actions are louder than words. And for this church to celebrate 74 years, 50 years, 22 years as a lead pastor, there's so many things that you and I can celebrate. And I want to challenge you here in just a few minutes. But before I get there, let me be honest with you. I want to talk to you about a few things that we all struggle with. Now, when I, when I started thinking about our anniversary this year, I started to say, God, 50 years, what, 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 is, what is going on? What has happened to the point that I think our people can relate to that? And I, I, I looked at some of you in my mind as I pray for you every week, and I pray for your needs, and, and I said, God, I know that we all struggle with some things, and more than likely or not, we, we struggle with some of the same things. And, and I, would, I want to be honest with you with these four things. But before I get there, I want to tell you this. Every time that, that, that I have found myself struggling in any area, as a matter of fact, I put this in your notes. I want you to get this. God's word must always equal how I feel and how I respond. God's word must always equal how I feel and how I respond. Now watch this. Here's, here's what I'm talking about. When, when you and I are struggling, when, when you and I are going through something, you and I have to make sure that it's the Word of God that remains our foundation. Now I know you've seen that one picture of me kind of laying to one side, and I'm, I'm, I'm in my little, our little 25-foot camper is when that picture is taken. That's probably at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, maybe 1 o'clock in the morning, but I'm there. I'm not stoned, okay? It looked like I am. Somebody asked me after the first service, said, did you smoke weed when you was younger? I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, that picture, then you named your daughter Sunshine. I mean, something looks like it adds. I said, no, no, no. Never smoked any joint, never had. But listen, on that picture, every night after we'd get in from revival, we'd preach, we'd sing, we'd come home. Sister Ron would go to the kitchen cabinet. She'd open up a can of pork and beans. She'd go to our little refrigerator, grab out me some cheese and crackers. Listen, I've told you, cheese and crackers and pork and beans have saved my life so many times. I salute them every time I go in the church, grocery store. Listen, I love them. I love the impact that they had. But after we had our pork and beans and cheese and crackers, she would go to bed, and I would grab my Bible, and I'd grab a, a notepad, and I would go sit on the the little couch that we had there up front, and for the next two or three hours, I would write Bible verses. The next two or three hours, I would stay in the Word of God. The next two or three hours, I would just read. I'd, I'd, sometime I'd fall asleep, and I'd wake up again. But listen, I did that because I knew, as a young guy, listen, 19 years old, as a young guy, following the heart, following the passion of God. I knew there was going to be times I'd be discouraged. I knew there was battles that we was going to face. We was already facing financial battles. There was already times we didn't know how it was going to go from week to week. But listen, in the midst of that, I made up my mind that it was the Word of God that would always equal however I'm feeling, whatever my response in, the Word of God would have to be dominant in my life. Because listen, I'm telling you, that's where, that's where your, your encouragement is going to come. It's going to come from this book. Come on. Now, listen, I love people. I love people. But listen, sometimes people are not there, but the Word of God is always there. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So let me, let me, give, you, let me give you these things real quick. I'll try to walk through through. Number one is we all struggle with feeling adequate. 
Every, every single person I've ever spoken to wrestles with the fact, am I adequate? Can I be the mom that God wants me to be? Can I be the husband? Can I be the parent? When Rod and I had sunshine, we, we felt so uh, inadequate. We didn't know if we could be adequate parents to a child with special needs. When we got our second child born, Matthew, we certainly didn't feel adequate. Now, because now we're just getting accustomed to, to this child. Now we've got to add this one. And every person in this room, we, we, we often struggle with the fact, am I adequate? Can I step up? Can I, can I deal with this blended family? Am I going to be able to deal with my divorce? Am I going to be adequate to walk through the diagnosis that the doctors just heard? Come on, anybody been there? We, we struggle with God. Can, I, I, know, I know they say, Lord, you won't put any more on you than what you can bear. But Lord, I'm not sure. I don't know. Listen, I love what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 4 and 1. Therefore, since God, uh, therefore, since through God's mercy, everybody say mercy. We have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Listen, here's what I made up my mind 50 years ago. It was only through the mercy of God that I would have a ministry. And listen, I understood that, that I would be adequate, I would be successful, I would be able to, to deal with all of my challenges, not because of anything that I could do, but rather because of the mercy of God and the call of God on my life. Listen, I begin to truly believe, listen, I begin to truly believe that, that God himself and others would come my way every time I felt like I was struggling with, am I adequate with this? Can I deal with this? 22 years ago, prior to coming to this church, when we were down in southern Alabama, we was in L.A., lower Alabama, and uh, we was there at that church, and uh, you seen the youth pastor, Aaron. He gave us a great, great, beautiful. Uh, Aaron probably is the reason I got fired. No, it wasn't just Aaron's fault. But listen, I hired Aaron to come in because we had, we had five or six kids at that church when I went there. We had no youth, and they said, we want to reach our community. We want to reach our youth. The soon as I got a little bit of money, and to be honest, I shifted some of mine his way, I brought him in, and listen, he started doing such a great job. Matt come along beside him. He was helping him, encourage him. I mean, we were starting to have youth. Kids were showing up. Fingerprints was getting all over the wall. Youth was coming in with all their attitudes. Come on. Come on. You know how youth can have attitudes. And you know what? The church said, no, we don't want this. No, we can't have this. They're messing up our building. They're messing up our house. And I started going through a battle, and God sent a guy by the name of Dr. Box. Dr. Box was in his 80s when he shows up on a Sunday night. He's in one of my Sunday night services. I preach. After service is over with, he, you know, greets me, he says, and somebody says, hey, that's Dr. Box, you know, da-da-da. Yeah, so they telling me, you know, he had, a, he had reputation in that community and for him to be here. And I said, oh, okay. And the next day, Dr. Box calls me. He said, hey, can, can we have lunch? I said, well, sure. I was going to reach out to you. I'm following up on guests. And I reached out to Dr. Box. And we had lunch, and we started having a conversation. Dr. Box said, Pastor Phil, he said, God sent me here for one reason. The reason God sent me here is to challenge you that you will not let what you're about to go through grind you down, but let it grow you up. 
Now listen, he had no idea what, what I was already going through, much less me that one of us had any idea what I was about to go through. Are you following me? But he said, God has sent me here to tell you, don't let it grind you down, but grow you up. He said, I know you started your education. He said, I've, I've heard you talk about it. I said, yeah, I just, just finished the Bachelor's of Theology, and you know, I, I don't know if I can you know, go any further. He said, listen, God wants you to continue, get your Master's of Theology, you know, get a Master's of Divinity. You need to get a doctor's degree. Now listen, he's talking to somebody, I've barely got enough money to put bologna in my refrigerator, okay? But he's saying, he told me, Ernie, he said, listen, if you won't let this grind you down but grow you up, if you'll expand yourself as a leader, you'll be prepared of what you're going with. Now listen, I don't know about you, but when God sends people like that in our life, listen, it just elevates. It just gave me encouragement. I, I went back to school. I started, listen, school was expensive then just like it is now. And, uh, you know, I didn't have the money to do it, and I had good, I had good credit, and, uh, you know, so I said, hey, yeah, you know, this can uh, get this grant, get this, uh, you know, get this loan. And when I came here 22 years ago, I had over $100,000 in debt, in school debt, for my master's and doctor. Can I tell you, uh, uh, less than five, or a little bit more than five years ago, I totally paid off that 100000 debt since I've been pastor. Come on. That's God. That's the blessing of God. God is so good. Listen, some of you here today, you may feel like, I don't know if I'm adequate. There's visions. There's things that God put in your heart. There's business ideas. There's dreams uh, that God has put in front of you. Can I tell you, if you will rely upon the Word of God, if you will trust that God is working in your life, that those ambitions, that bundle of appetite that we talked about all night, that God has given them to you for a reason. God will get you through to the very next level in your life. Come on, somebody tell the Lord you believe that in your life today. So, feeling adequate. Here's the second thing, people-pleasing. Now, now listen, I don't know about you, but if you say that you've never been bothered by somebody that you, that you want to be a people pleaser to a certain level. I'm not talking about to, to a sick level, but just to, a, we all want to feel loved. We want to feel appreciated. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel like we belong, don't we? Everybody I've ever met struggles a little bit. Well, how, how can I live my life so that, listen, I love what Paul writes here in Galatians 1. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of the Lord. Listen, how many understand it's a dangerous trap to believe that we can please everybody? Come on. The old saying, if you whittle yourself away to try to please people, eventually you will be gone. Now, Miss Rhonda made mention that I went through some wardrobe changes of stylistic uh, dress dressing in the last 50 years. When I first started, you seen that little red outfit that, you know, I had those little puppy sleeves and you couldn't see my shoes, but I want to tell you, they was about that high. I, I, and they had the thick, I mean, they were, I were tripping. I had the barb, I had the, the, the bell bottoms on. Now listen, I went to revival, went to a church and I had on a goat, I had on black or gray pants, I had on a gold shirt, kind of silky, with real puffy sleeves. And I played the piano like Jerry Lee Lewis, okay? I mean, when I would play, I would just, 
Give, 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 give me. Woo! Great balls of no. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do great balls of fire, everything but that. But I went, to, I went to this church that night. After service, the pastor come up to me and said, listen, you dress too crazy, you dress too wild. said, you'll, you'll, you'll never play the piano or sing in my church again. And it broke my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm just a 17-year-old kid at that time. I mean, I just, man, God, you've given me this talent. For some of you who don't know, I started playing the piano just like that. God gave me that now. I played the banjo and the guitar ceremony. I kind of learned. The gift of piano and organ just came to me. God just gave it to me one instance, okay? So, so I felt like that was a gift. On the way home that night, driving back to Bessemer where we were staying, I'm in my 64 Chevelle. I'm driving by myself. The windows are down, and I'm, I'm praying and crying, and I... I'd, all of a sudden, I just ripped my shirt, ripped buttons off, and I wad that shirt up, and I throw it out the window. I said, Lord, I don't want anything to keep me from using my gifts. And the next night, I go into church, and I'm thinking, there's going to be this kumbaya moment we're going to love, and he's going to tell me how awesome and incredible. And I go into service that night, and I walk up to him, and I said, hey, brother, I almost said his name. Uh, well, you wouldn't know. I said, hey, Brother Bishop, I said, I throwed my shirt away last night. I said, I, I want to do what I can. And he looked at me and he said, your hair is too long. Now, I wanted to punch him, but I didn't. I didn't. It was at that moment that I discovered I'll never be able to please everybody. You understand that? that, that if, if you and I find ourselves going down that track, Listen, successful people will not do anything. Now listen, they will not do anything that requires them to be someone that they're not. You cannot allow people to take out of you what God has put in you. One of the things that made this, has, has, in order, has led to the success of this church for the last 22 years that I've been leading this church as a pastor is that this church, the leadership down, they, they, they begin to look at the talents that God had given me, the vision that God had given me, and they decided we're going to celebrate Pastor Phil instead of just tolerating Pastor Phil. I pastored churches where they tolerated me. They tolerated my vision. The one young man made mention of the skits and the, and the program. Listen, I was, I was way before my time when it comes to doing uh, skits and, and, and uh, things that they do in our culture today. We were writing skits. We would hear a song and you know uh, that, that they were playing at the time. We would write a skit, and we would do it on a Sunday afternoon, and I would gather people but about two hours before church. I said, here's what we're going to do. Here's what. I wrote one one time about is there blood? on your hands. It was the horriest, it scared the hell out of people. But it was inspirational, okay? We had revival with that skit, Is There Blood? It was about not witnessing the people, you know, that, that Ezekiel talked about. If you fail to witness the people, the blood's going to be upon your hand. And I did that. And listen, what, what would happen was there's a lot of places that they tolerated that. 
This church decided, you know what? We've never had anybody like this in, 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 in the last 62 uh, years of this church. It was 62 years old when it came. What if we celebrated this guy? And what happens is when you and I decide to say, listen, Lord, I'm not going to do anything that requires me not to be something that you didn't make me to be. I refuse to let people take out of me what God has put in me. Now, the other spectrum of that is that you try to let people put in you what God has left out. You follow me? Oh, we think our pastor should be this. Oh, we, should, we think this. Oh, we think this. You know, again, what happens to most marriages? Relationship. Men marry women thinking that won't change. Women marry men thinking I'll change him. You try to put something in a man that God has not put there, you're just going to be frustrated. Hello? If he doesn't talk now, chances are you're not going to set up and have two-hour conversations at nighttime. Hello? Don't think that you're going to change. He's going to change because you get a wedding ring on your finger. So listen, feeling adequate, people pleasing. Here's the third one, jealousy of others. Listen, we, we, we deal with this because so many times we end up comparing not only what we're doing but who we are. And it's so dangerous Pastor Matt made a great uh, thought last week, and I'm not going to camp out there too much, but he talked about how the, the dangerous of the comparison thing is that nobody ever wins. Paul said it like this in, in 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond our, beyond proper limits, but we will confine our boasts into the sphere of service God himself has assigned us to us, a sphere that also includes you. Listen, when, 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 when we give up the idea of stop trying to look like others or be like others and just be ourselves, when, 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 when I stopped focusing on what I was achieving compared to somebody else, and I started focusing on what am I setting in motion, what am I setting in motion that's going to have a legacy to, to, to the end? What, what, what am I putting in, in, into motion? Again, for some of you who don't know, we, we, we shifted from evangelizing, traveling all the time to start pastoring. And then when at some point in my life, I got frustrated just being in one local area after pastoring a couple of small churches and growing them. About every five or six years, they would pluck you up and they'd put you over here. That was the organization I was in. So I got frustrated with I'm just now starting to get this community to, 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 to make an impact with our church. And I went to Rhonda and I said, I, I want to go back out and I want to travel. By, by then we had two children. She said, well, well, Phil, it's impossible at this point. Sunshine's got a lot of special things that's happening with her, with, with her small motor arts things and things like that. And she, she said, if you do that, you'll have to go by yourself. And I said, well, I, I just feel like God wants me to do it. So what I did was 
that, that, that we bought a, I bought a motor home and I, de, I decided to, to travel. I'd be gone. My idea was to be gone two weeks and be home two or three days. I end up being gone six or eight weeks and then home for like a day and then back out again because we, we couldn't have no money. There was enough money to keep us going. We're running my road trips and I was running a household. And I was so caught up in trying to achieve something then all of a sudden down in Arkansas, I'm miserable. I'm having a, a, a midlife crisis, and I'm not even midlife yet, okay? That, that's you in bad shape. Some of you have been there already. And I, I'm, I'm crying out to the Lord. I said, what are you doing? And, and God, what do I need to do? I'm trying to achieve. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. He said, what if, what if you stop trying to achieve something, and you set something in motion that can have legacy, eternity, effect to it? That's reading, I, I got a phone call about this little small church in Hopkinsville, and you've seen the picture of Hopkinsville, Kentucky. I mean, they had 20 people. They was in a remodeling program. It, it, was, it was horrible. The, 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 the building was bad, but it was a church. I, I could, they had a place to live. And I said, yes, I'm going. I called Rhonda. I said, guess what? We're going back to pastoring. And she said, yes, God answered my prayer. Because she was praying. She wasn't complaining. She wasn't griping and fussing at me when I come home. She would just look at me. She said, are you enjoying evangelizing? No, it's horrible. I miss you. I miss the kids. She said, oh, but you're fulfilling God's call. Isn't it amazing? Listen, some of you ladies, if you would just learn how to let the Holy Spirit use a little logic with your husbands, you would be a whole lot better off. Because I know that was Holy Spirit logic. Because she would just say, oh, tell me about those great revivals you're having. Tell me about all the souls. And listen, that didn't matter. It was happening. But there was a void that was emptiness because I was always just trying to achieve something outside of the fact. What can I do with my legacy? And it was there at Hopkinsville that God changed my whole thought and my whole process about legacy. Why, why, why am I going to go out and invest in other families and communities if I'm not invested in my son's life, in my child's life? What, what, what good is it going to say if I win the world and I lose my own family? You follow me? See, ministry can do that to us sometimes. You have to guard against that. Yes, it's important, and yes, there's eternity value to it, but if you're doing something that you call ministry and it, it, you're sacrificing your own family in the process, it may not be what God wants you to do. Hello? So it changed my whole focus. It changed my mindset. And listen, I, I, I truly begin to understand that opportunity doesn't come to those who knock. It isn't who I say, well, opportunity. No, listen, opportunity comes to those who are prepared and those who create. Who create and they get ready for the opportunities. And if we think too long about missed opportunities, we'll probably mix the, mix, miss the next opportunity. 22 years ago, I was devastated as a pastor not to have a church. And when I got a phone call and, and I, I knew I was coming up here to meet with the board, I called a couple of friends. I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to meet the board and there's a church up in Indiana and, you know, they're looking for a pastor. I said, what, what do you think? What's the conversation? Here's what they said. Please don't tell them you just got fired, Okay. What they, listen, don't. I said, why? I said, they're going to find out. No, let them find out. Listen, 
I'm of the belief system, you've got to get out in front of the story, okay? Here's what we tell our preschool. If a kid has torn clothes or torn skin or torn emotions, you've got to be the first voice in that parent's ear. Because if that child shows up and their clothes are torn, they got a little nick on their arm, or they're all upset, they liable to say, will the whole class just mob me, mom? I don't understand. No, here's what happened. They was out here playing. They fell down, got a little nick. We, you know, we filed a report. We're all good. When you're out in front of the story, so when I came here, I'll never forget, we had a little meeting. And then the board and I, there was three of them, Brother Paul is, is, is here. He was one of those three. And we got to sit down in a meeting, and one of the very first questions that the leader of that board at that time said, well, tell us about yourself. And the very first thing, almost the very first thing to come out of my mouth, and Paul remembers it, well, I just got fired from a church, okay? I said, I'm going to just lead with the worst scenario here. Let's see where this thing goes. But when they, oh, really? Tell us why. And I started telling them, about how God wasn't going to call me to a church. I'm, I'm not called to be a pastor of a church. I'm called to be a pastor of a community. I said, I believe the next call that I'm going to receive and I'm going to come and accept is a church that's calling me to a community. And here's my vision. We want to touch the heart of God. We want to reach the heart of the world. We want to heal the heart of man. We want to be a bridge to God. We want to be a hospital to the hurting. We want to be a worship center for all gen- And I started ticking up. Listen, it was the vision that God gave me several years ago, but now God had sent me to a place where they were ready. They said, yes, that's where we at. We just bought a, built a brand new building here. We got a great community. It's growing. Yes, you've got to be the person. And guess what? 22 years later, come on. Here, here, here's what we have to understand, and I, I've got to hurry, I know. Here's what we have to understand, is that we have to be willing to keep growing and risking and expanding ourselves as individuals. If we don't, so many times, at some point, we, we, we kind of run out of, of prior achievements and we just live off the past. I don't want to be one of those pastors who talk about, well, you know, 22 years ago when we came here and... I, I, don't want to, I just don't want to talk to you about what God has done. That's history. I want to talk to you about what God is doing. The miracles that is happening. This Sunshine Center is going to be a miracle to our community. I was talking to a business leader the other day, and they said, you know your building get too small. I said, well, give me more property, and I'll build it bigger. Because, listen, the need isn't getting smaller of ministry to the special needs of the disability families in our community. It's not getting less. It's growing. So we know we, God has given us a God-sized vision. And it's understanding the fact that, that because we, we, as we move forward, that we, 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 we kind of navigate. Yeah, we're going to feel like times that we're not adequate. Yes, there's going to be times where it seems like, you know, that if we just did this, more people would be happy. No, we have to stay true to our vision and not allow the distraction of what others. And one more real, real quickly. We all struggle with insecurity. Every person I ever known has dealt with insecurity at some point. 
One of the key verses that I've always relied on in my life, the Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this, that, we, that he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, what I've discovered after 50 years of ministry and 22 years of leading this church, if God will bring us to it, if God leads us to it, then he will lead us through it. Come on, the confidence is not in ourselves. Yeah, we have insecure moments. Yes, there's insecure times where we feel like we can't accomplish and we can't achieve. But listen, none of that insecurity should ever make us lose our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of God. I like what Pastor Matt said, 50 years is, is, is uh, in reflection to the 50 days of Pentecost and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if what we've been doing in the last 22 years hasn't been spirit-filled and spirit-powered, what do you think God can do in the next 22 years when the Holy Spirit shows up in this house and God begins to do miracles and the miraculous for us? It's in those insecure moments that we become secure in God. Isaiah 41 and 10, so do not fear. I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you, help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I love that. Listen, if God is for us. Listen, here's my thought. If God is for us, and he is, when we have to live like it and we have to lead like it. You follow me? If he's for us. If we say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, we have to live like it, and we have to lead like it. Somebody asked me just the other day, said, Pastor Phil, said, what in the world are you thinking trying to build a $15 million building in the midst of a recession? I said, that's the best time God thinks it's going to be, happen right during a recession. So when it happens... Listen, if we were trying to build it and everything was plentiful and the the supplies were there, well, how are you going to build it? Where's the material going to come from? I don't know. God, I'm sure God does. Hello? Well, is that insane? No. It's security and confidence of who God is. Come on, you believe that? Come on, Pastor Lindsay. I I see right now I'm not going to finish my notes and I apologize for that, but we, we've got all month to come back to this. So here, here, here's what I want to do. I want to I close with this thought. Those, those are things we struggle with. Rhonda and I are so blessed to have our, our, all of our kids are here today. Matter of fact, Amber and Alan over here just kind of wave at everybody. Some of you don't know Miss Amber. Amber, you and Alan stand up. I know all of our grandkids. Just stand up. I know. This, Amber, Amber serves at our Wanital campus. And the reason Wanita didn't have live worship today is because she's wanted to be with her dad. And, and uh, man, I, I appreciate Amber, appreciate what God, so good thing. And you know Pastor Matt, uh, you know, you see him around. Leslie is, is here today. She was here. She may be serving some other place. And uh, all of our grandkids, we have eight grandkids. What, what, well, yeah, Trey, right, awesome, incredible. Jay, that was Charlie over here playing the harmonica earlier. Charlie wants to be a musician. Come on, come on, give it up. I was six or seven years old when my dad would put me on the platform with a guitar. And, you know, it was a a flat guitar. It didn't have no amp to it. He said, I don't want you to mess nobody up. He said, but just watch and you'll learn. That's how I learned how to play the guitar, being in church, watching, learning. Listen, here's what I know. 
The value appreciation is incredible. Amos 3 and 3 says this, that we can walk together with agreement. If, if, if t- only two can walk together if they're in agreement. Agreement is so important. How many understand that? Amos 3 and 3 says we walk together. But watch this. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2 says that when you see the vision, you write the vision, you make it plain so that he that sees it may run with the vision. Okay? So we walk when we got agreement. We run when we have vision. This church has been blessed for 74 years to have vision and agreement in it. But then when you get into the New Testament on the day of Pentecost, though they was all in one accord in one place, all of a sudden when you start studying that word unity, when there's unity in the house, all of a sudden the miraculous start taking place. Miracles start happening. All of a sudden you start seeing the impossible made possible. The lame are starting to walk. The blind are really starting to see. God is working miracles. With what? With unity. Now what's this? It's so important that you and I have unity. Everybody in this room knows what it is to walk into a house or walk into a church and feel like things are not unified. There's friction. There's division. There's, there's, there's murmuring, complaint. Come on, you've been there. Don't look at me like you have not. And listen, what, what you are privileged of, some of you have only been here for a few, weeks, a few weeks, a few months, maybe a few years. But listen, what you can appreciate about this church because of the right leadership, not just Pastor Phil's leadership, that's just been 22 years. But for the last 74 years, we've understood the importance of walking together in agreement, getting a vision so we can run. But listen, here's where I really feel like that we're about to be. Now, if we can have a president that's almost 80, I think i got a few more years left in ministry. Okay? That's a side story, but just... I really feel like that the agreement and the vision that this church is carrying is moving us to a place of supreme unity we're early, we're going to see miraculous happen. We're going to see financial miracles. We're going to see physical miracles in this place. And listen, what, what we understand that as a church puts stake in the fact that we're, we're not going to become stagnant, we're going to stay part of that 20% that's growing in the country, right? Come on. We're not going to be the 80%. We're, 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 not, we're not going to get stagnant. We refuse to decline. It's the reason why, uh, you know, 10 years ago we started planning campuses. Because again, I know God's called us to a community. He's called us to impact Northwest Indiana, not just Valparaiso. That's part of the story. But we're having tentacles that's reaching out, campuses that's reaching out, lives that's being touched and changed all over Northwest Indiana. And listen, as you and I continue to say in agreement, We say, yeah, I want to be a part of a church like that. I I want to support a church like that. I want to see missions grow. I want to see the the programs of our our community grow. We stay in agreement. All of a sudden, we find vision just explodes in our mind. We start seeing things. Then all of a sudden, unity shows up on a Sunday morning. Come on. All of a sudden, we start seeing 
the unity of the Spirit and the power of God. And all of a sudden, transformation starts happening in people's lives. All of a sudden, while you're sitting right there in church, while you're sitting right there in the seat and the Word of God is being preached, you may be sick, but all of a sudden you get healed. You have something going on in your life. And depression, my God, depression has to leave you. Why? Because the power of God is available where there's unity. Come on. Somebody stand with me and give Him praise. Come on. Come on, somebody stand with me and give Him praise. Give me that mic. Let me, let me switch mics here. I feel the preacher. I feel the preacher and I'm out of time. Listen, what we're going to see in many of your lives, this is an awesome church because people have wretched and said, I want to help Heartland get to the next level. There's no way fashion and form does this pastor think. We have what we have. We achieve what we achieve. We do what we do because of who I am. I'm, I'm smarter than that. Okay, We have an incredible staff at this church. Many of them have grown up in this church in the last 22 years. That's amazing for a church to have people that grows up, goes to a church, has a calling of God, and then says, hey, I want to invest my time and my talent, my temple, my treasure right here in this, in this area where I, where I grew up. Come on, SMA, come on, give yourself a hand clap. We have it. We have it. Then there's people God's sending in. There's still other campuses we're going to plant. Well, God's not through with us yet. I know Sister Rhonda started trying to give me a eulogy, and I love it, and I appreciate that. There was an I love you eulogy. That's what I, I want to say it before it's too late. I, I received that. She tells me all the time how appreciative she is of our relationship together. Again, to navigate the storm. But listen, God... And I, I just sense this. I, I, I sense it prophetically. We have, we have people from our full throttle campus here. We, our, our campus is two years there, uh, five years over at Wanata, eight years down at North Johnson. God wants to use this church. But it's not just me. It's you, it's you, it's you. Your talents are about to be released and exploded. And I want you to know how appreciative I am of you choosing this church. There's a lot of places you could go. Well, listen, you've chose a healthy church. Not a perfect church, but we're healthy. You understand that? You've chose a healthy church. We've got healthy leadership that knows how to walk in agreement, that knows how to keep vision alive, and to have unity. Because, listen, even when we don't have total agreement and total unity on what we're about to do, there's always 100% support. You follow me? Now that's important. Because you, 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 you may, you may want to bake beans different than I want to bake beans. Doesn't mean that you're wrong and I'm right. It just means, hey, we're different. We're, we're not in agreement how those bake beans. Now listen, I try to tell Miss Rhonda how to cook, and I'm about to get myself in trouble because she started looking at me that day. She said, you want to start cooking? Oh, well, well, no, I just know. She said, you want to start? I said, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Let me just eat. Listen, when you, even when you don't, listen, that's just so important. I promise I'll quit. When you don't have total agreement, there has to be total support. That's what keeps a marriage together. That's what keeps your family together. 
It's what keeps your relationship It's what keeps the church together. We have total support. You know, Pastor, I'm not sure I'd build a Sunshine Center in, in the midst of recession, but guess what? God said he gave you a vision and you're following us, and guess what? I'm, you got my total support of that. That's, that's what it means. It just simply means, oh, I, I would build it like this, or I would put this room like this. No, listen, it, it, you, everybody would build it different, okay? But we have total support of the vision. How are we going to reach the north uh, part of Valpo and Chesterton? How are we going to? I don't, I, I don't know, but I, I feel like God's going to give us a, he's going to give us a vision. We're going to have unity, and then there's going to be support of how that. And, and in your life today, I want you to know, the value of appreciation of the investment that you're making in your family is going to leave you a legacy. That's the shift that I made 30-something years ago. I said, I want, to be, I want to leave a legacy. I'm not worried about achievements and revivals and all that. That's good. I want, I want to build something that my son wants to follow, my daughter wants to follow. And God's helping us do that. But we had to be intentional about that. You, you follow me. This church is very intentional. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center's Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click the Give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.